look, I'm an in-person coach. I love in-person coaching. I love creating an environment and um, you know getting the outcomes that we're looking to get. But for me, you either rise or fall to the lev- level of your systems. And that comes with we have three things. If you can nail those, in my opinion, and you know more than me, in the online space, then you're going to have a pretty successful business. I've invested over six figures in mentors in my whole career. Without a shadow of a doubt, I've traveled all over the world. If someone's got an online fitness business and looking to grow and scale, that might be a smart decision, you know? And if you're not looking to fucking progress, then what's the point? That's where most people can't see the wood through the trees and they don't realize this is a problem. If you're a trainer looking to scale your business, and particularly if you're from a high performance background, maybe from strength and conditioning or working with athletes, this is going to be a treat for you. I've got Dan Lawrence, who is a high performance coach from the UK, London, has got an incredible network, trained and worked with professional athletes, professional world champion fighters, got a seven figure fitness business, absolutely killing it across the board. I'm also trying to walk, work on him moving to Dubai. Um, today, we're going to break down in terms of what he's done throughout his career, how he's built his business, and give you tons of value along the way. The first thing I'm going to ask you, Dan, in terms of where you're at, is what's the biggest lesson you've maybe learned from going from the in-person, like, top-of-the-game trainer to moving online? Firstly, Charlie, thanks for the intro there. Great words. And in terms of the in-person to online, look, I'm an in-person coach. I love in-person coaching. I love creating an environment and um, you know getting the outcomes that we're looking to get. But there's, of course, a ceiling on that as well. And moving that now into the online space is how do we create that same environment? And for me, you either rise or fall to the lev- level of your systems. And that comes with we have three things, accountability, community, and competition. If you can nail those, in my opinion, and you know more than me, in the online space, then you're going to have a pretty successful business. Because accountability, the first one, when you're in person with individuals, they know they've got to turn up and they've got to look you in the eye and say that they've you know, had a load of drinks or desserts at the weekend, and likely they're not going to want to do that. But online, it's hard. So you then have, whether you do check-ins on a weekly basis, bi-weekly basis, monthly basis... You have to identify what works for you. And what we do in the online space is, you know, we don't hold people's hands. Our ICA, our ideal client avatar for the listeners is high-performing CEOs. We've worked at the highest level of professional sport and we take those fundamental principles and bring them into the boardroom. For CEOs, we're looking to optimise their health and performance. So these aren't people who don't know what a carbohydrate is. They, they have an awareness piece around nutrition. They understand sleep is pretty important. So um, because of that, then we don't have to hold their hand every step of the way and touch base with them three or four times a week uh, just to make sure they're on track. We do weekly check-ins where they send a checklist and report. We'll then analyze that report via Loom, provide feedback from our coaching team. I'll check in with individuals once a month, a certain select number of individuals, and we do a complete immersive strategy to say, right, what's gone well? What are we doing? What do we need to do better? And how do we move forward? We call it reflect, review, and plan ahead. So I think going back to your specific question there is a bit of an art to it. You can't just expect to go online and then expect it to all be absolute perfection out of the gate. You've got to have the systems in place, the touch points in place, the accountability and the community and competition which work really well for us. And we have, uh, well, we did our first in-person event in January 23. We now have one in a couple of weeks' time in London, which uh, I'm excited to do more of those. I know you do in-person events for your business. I think that will really help drive that community element where people can actually see each other and we'll go through technical coaching and elements of that and uh, hopefully then they'll take that momentum past Christmas and into the new year. One of the things you said there I love is the in-person events because 
a lot of people have an online business shy away from that. And for me, that's really one of the cornerstones of what we do because people can physically touch and see you, right? Mm. And the people who come to this stuff, they're never going to leave as a client. So like from the very first event we had, every single person who went to that is still a client, like three years ago. So when people talk about the power of events, it's not making money from people going there. It's getting results from the people there, showcasing how sick the event is and creating that community aspect. Because I think one of the big things that everyone wants is to be a part of something and be part of like the tribe, whether that's in our fitness business, seven-figure scaling systems, we want to be like on the same journey with other people that have similar values and are aligned. I think that's a big, almost like a pot of gold a lot of people are overlooking, I think. I think, look, just wow, mind blown in terms of retention rate mm. of, of that from you. So, you know, champion that and say, say well done. We, we're going to be doing more events. We're looking forward to this event. We partner with some, some really cool brands as well. Uh, we've got some of my athletes coming down just to, you know, get people involved and and I think they're excited to see the athletes train with the athletes as well which I think is something that many others won't be able to do because of who we work with we've got some celebrities hopefully coming down you know what they're like though probably cancel an hour before but we're trying to create an environment that's really cool we're also doing it in a really cool location shout out to the guys at Manor in London so it's in Victoria it's in an underground car park called MCP so it's a former car park uh, turned into a gym all centred around mental health huge place in there we'll have a DJ we'll have all the brands there we're doing educational talks with myself and our nutritionist Dr James Morhan and uh, we're then going to go through some technical coaching and a big throwdown workout at the end we're also going to have of course a videographer there get a slick promo video but also hopefully get some testimonials throughout the course of the day as well that will then drip feed over December and of course January with the mad rush post Christmas one of the things I think is a real strength of what you do and everyone who I see who's successful online is you practice what you preach Maybe talk to listeners a bit more about like the importance of that from your perspective of what you've seen. Yeah, look, I think you you need to. If I'm being brutally honest, does every practitioner need to be rolling around at six seven percent body fat? No, in my opinion. But you've got to lead from the front. You've got to be the team captain and wear that armband with pride. Because if I'm telling or asking someone to do something then I've got to have that body of work and proof of concept that I do it myself. For me, it's like the Michael Jordan effect, Mm. you know, in the last dance, is he would never ask anyone on that team to do something if he was not doing it himself. And he pulled the likes of Scotty Pippen and co up to his level. And he knew that if, going back to the outcome, if the outcome was to win all these championships... He could not do that by himself. He had to galvanise the team, change the environment. And uh, on the subject of environment, actually, because it's such a big thing for me, environment dictates outcomes. And sorry to go slightly off piece here, I'll bring it back around in a second, is the coffee bean analogy. I don't know if you're aware of this one. So you've got a carrot, you've got an egg, and you've got a coffee bean. So you put a carrot in boiling hot water, what happens to the carrot? It softens. It's changed and impacted by its environment. It crumbles to the pressures of the external environment. You put... An egg in boiling hot water, what happens? The opposite. It hardens, it becomes aggressive, angry, and again, is impacted by the external environment. You put a coffee bean in boiling hot water, what happens? You get coffee. It changes the environment. It has a complete impact on that environment, which is the Michael Jordan effect for me. So going back to your question of leading from the front, and do I believe every coach you know, should lead a life of high performance? I do to a degree because I do it myself, and I wouldn't ask anything of others that I don't do myself so yeah I do think it's important and that doesn't just come from aesthetics I think that plays a role Mm. just how you lead how you deliver and do you believe in what you're saying because everything that comes out of my mouth is something that I do 
not for a year, not for two years, for, you know, I've done this for, I've been a practitioner 18 years, I do live and breathe this. Uh, 100%. I, I couldn't agree with that anymore, and it's almost similar from your business perspective, is that people say to me, oh, I can't do this, it's hard, I can't do that, so like, well, I fucking did it. Yeah. Like, I, I know exactly what you're going through, and yes, you don't have time, but you have to find time. And also, Charlie, I think people can really tap into your story, because you're very open, from what I've heard of late, about it, about the transitions mm. you've made from the estate agent to what you've done in fitness to now what you're doing in the coaching aspects and that's got to be very motivated well I see that as very motivating mm. I suppose it depends again what lens you're looking through and the perception of what you have some people are positive some people are negative you can walk into a room and see something as negative well the other person says actually yeah I don't really like that but I'm going to draw the strength from that and I'm going to use that as a positive as fuel to my fire 100% I think that's one of the things I've always looked at is if someone else can do what I want to do that means I can fucking do it and it's proof of concept, right? And that's almost the way I look at business is like, I'll just find the easiest strategies to get from A to B. So I'm not going to try and create something that's really yeah. over elaborate. It's like, yeah. I know these one to two things work, so I'm just going to do these really fucking well. And we actually spoke about yeah. this earlier. It's like, just find your strategy, just yeah. do the fucking strategy. Double don't get like lured in by other stuff. Yeah. Um, and that's where most people don't have the ability to focus mm -hmm. and they get easily distracted. I think on that as well, and what I'll say to your listeners, I far from crack this and we know this and we've mm -hmm. spoken on this many a time is that I have a lot of things going on from a business point of view. I work with some incredible athletes, mentorships and different arms of my business. And now since being in Dubai, I've had this singular focus and Jimmy Iovine talks about this on the Defiant Ones where they sold Beats to Apple for $3 billion, himself and Dr. Dre excuse my language, he said, be like a fucking racehorse, forget what's going on left to right. The reason racehorses wear blinkers, or as he calls them, blinders in America, is so they don't miss a step. They can't look left or right. They have this complete linear focus, singular focus, and that's how you reach a goal. And what I see is that so many people get distracted too easily. And they're literally, yeah. my mate down the road is doing TikTok videos and he's made 10 quid doing it, so like maybe I should go and do this, right? Yeah. And that's why one of the things that, I personally find from my own, own coaching perspective is yes, we tell people what to do, but we also tell people that's a really fucking bad idea. Yeah. And not to be like, Captain, I told you so, but the amount of times like I've told someone like that definitely won't fucking work mm. and they've gone and done it. I'm like, mm. like I tried to sell you because I've made these like huge mistakes myself. Mm. And that's one of the big things from a business perspective. I can be like, I've taken all the fucking hits and scars. I've probably tried everything you can do. That's definitely not, an easy thing to do so why don't you just go and do this thing over here that's like a low hanging fruit and that's why people hire coaches right mm. you know it's speed mm. so learn from someone like yourself who's been there and done it and not got it 100% right all of the time but that's again where the most growth comes from to then say look I've done it this way this is my system this is what works I don't really believe that's going to work. I think that's actually going to take you away from the big needle movers because I've tried that and it didn't work so if you want to move quickly do this what would you say has been the big, maybe like inflection points um, that have really seen you move forward online? I think um, <laughs> probably going back to like the Tony Robbins bucket analogy is if you, you don't have an infinite amount of water, you've got X amount of water and you've got these three buckets, right? My split focus was just not allowing me to move forward. So I've now been a lot more singular in my focus to actually drive things forwards. I think a big one for me was the, the Dr. Benjamin Hardy and Dan Kennedy book, Who Not How. Don't tell me how to do something, find me someone who can do it. That's been a big thing is to be a master of delegation and certainly had to kiss a few frogs as part of the team. But thankfully now we've got an incredible team who I place high value on and they're all rowing 
the boat in the same direction, which I think is really, really important. Uh, they all know their roles. I don't have to touch certain aspects of the business. It just gets done. We have an operations manager who oversees everything and our EA, who's an absolute whiz, be lost without her, Mylene, shout out to you. And um, that's, for me, what's key is delegation and ensuring everyone's on the same page. What I will say, Charlie, as well as a business owner, and we've got a team of, I think, currently 13, maybe 14, is that... I'm learning. I'm learning as I go. I have to learn how I communicate. I have to learn how to deliver certain messages. And the trade-off there of like me being this high-performance guy is I have incredibly high standards and I expect things to be done a certain way to a certain level. And if they're not, and then because you add a load of workload on top of that, you know, I've had to become a better communicator in that in that respective area. I believe I'm a very good communicator in a one-on-one context with an athlete but I'm learning as I go on that. And I've had a few moments where I'm like, I've got to check myself there. I need to improve that. I love that you said that because most people, and this is why you've done phenomenally well and you continue to do phenomenally well. It's like most people are too arrogant to understand they need to keep learning. They get some success and like, I fucking, I know everything, right? And the more I feel the no- I know, the, like, the less I feel I know and the more yeah. I feel I have to keep learning. Literally. And even I think of like, I was thinking of this way the day, like perspective of, what I've done this year and like what I've learned as like, I've actually learned a huge amount of CEO skills and managing peoples and teams and businesses mm. that have come from going through different challenging situations, which I now understand with experience, how to, how I handled that maybe very well, or how I handled it not so well. And I think most people aren't willing to take it on the chin when maybe they made a bad call or they didn't react particularly well to a situation. And by all means, we're all human and we all, mm. I'm very much the same with you. It's like, why the fuck can't this person just do this? Like, I, I can do it, so why can't they do it? Mm. Um, but you have to understand that not everyone is you and that the biggest thing for anyone running a business at a high level when you have a team is understanding human psychology. So like, what makes that person tick and how can I get the most out of them and like proverbially rowing the boat, as you said, how can I make them row the boat harder without necessarily like whipping them to fucking row the boat, yeah. but like, make them to actually want to do it. I think going back to your question, I completely agree with everything you said there, is the biggest lesson that I've learned is that I have to be better on the front end if I am going to delegate and not just assume they should know it has to be done to this way just because that's the way I do it. So whether that looks like more team meetings, more touch points, my operations manager, you know, holding their hand initially whilst they get going and they can then, you know, find their wings whether that's more loom recordings, whatever it looks like, on the front end, you've got to spend more time with them so they can then take ownership of that role. I wasn't doing the front end work, enough of the front end work, and then just expecting them to find their wings, and then they wouldn't, and then I'd you know, get frustrated by it, but actually it, should, it was me. I was the issue. I should have looked in the mirror and said, you know, I need to do this better, which thankfully I did. And it's a, a saying I say a lot. A lot of people moan about their team and the people who work for them are shit. They don't do what they're supposed to do. It's like... Well, if your team is shit, like you hired them and you trained them. So like, <laughs> who's, who, who's shit? Yeah. Whose fault is it? And the more I understood that, I was like, okay, this is actually all my fault. And the more like you as the owner of the business take responsibility of like, yeah, this did work well and that's my fault. Because ultimately, if you're in charge, everything is your fault. Yeah. Is it Jacko Willick? Uh, yeah, Jacko Willick. Extreme, yeah. extreme ownership. Oh, it's, it's true. Take ownership. And also your point of view is when you run the business, if you say to someone who fucked up, like, yeah, that's my fault. Don't worry about it. Yeah they feel powerful. a lot better and it's powerful because they yeah. feel like you've got their back rather yeah. than you like laying into them and like, what the fuck do you yeah. do that? Because ultimately, like everyone wants to do a good job. Yeah. And if they've done a bad job, it's because you've not necessarily communicated to them mm. how to do it or what does good really look like. 
completely agree. And I think as well, there's a cultural thing here is that, you know, a lot of our team are in the Philippines and they will take things to heart if you say something in a certain way. So there has to be, and this is part of my learning and evolution as a, as a business owner and leader of a team is that, okay, I have to be aware of that now. I can't just change that. That's a cultural thing that's ingrained in them primarily. And I have to now articulate things better and make sure they don't take it to heart because it's certainly not personal. It's because we're trying to move this forwards. And now I feel like, yeah, I feel I feel really good about it because I've been on this journey of kind of growth and progression as a business owner. And uh, the feedback's been amazing from the team as well, which is nice. Um, the number one tip I'd give to everyone who's listening on that is that when you delegate a task, give a clear time deadline of when it needs to be done. Yeah, That's the biggest mistake most people make, myself included, because... I'd expect I'd say like oh Dan can you do this and I'd expect it done like today mm. whereas in their head they're like by the end of the week mm. so like if you say I need this done by today because of why yeah. it then stops problems stops you getting frustrated and also thinks like they can maybe understand why something's urgent mm. because the bigger the business gets the more important it is for people to understand prioritising tasks definitely and also for the staff to feel part of something so they have to have an awareness piece of what's actually going on in moving this high performance machine forwards if they just you've got a guy a graphic designer putting our carousels together he sees that as just putting the carousels together well actually if he doesn't do that carousel with the launch of our black friday offer by this time because we're going to get the best traction well that's a problem but if i haven't articulated it that we need it by this time because we've got this Black Friday offer that we've just put four weeks in. We've changed our landing page. I've shot a load of additional videos. We've got our video editor putting all these slick graphics together and videos and pop-ups. We've got all of our athletes and clients delivering all these testimonials. Well, actually, if you don't do the carousel, everything falls off-piste. But I need to tell him that. And also, I think as well, and this is something I do with my athletes, Charlie, is like, it's not a dictatorship of saying you've got to do it this way. It has to be collaborative. Mm. And that, for me, is part of the team as well they have to feel part of something and it's not just uh, looking down from the you know from your wherever no we're all on the same page here we're all moving in the same direction uh, one of the so I, I'll be open and honest I used to be a big Man United fan when they were really good <laughs> and not so good anymore uh, so in my opinion Alex Ferguson is the greatest football manager in history and his ability in terms of like man managing players is wild and the way I almost look at business is the same in terms of he always had like it's us against the world mentality. That's the way I look at business in terms of building teams. Is like, yeah, it's us and fuck for everyone else. Like, mm. and I almost try and com- like create competition to like have a gamification process yeah. because, like, in particular when you look at sales teams and the front end of a business, the more you can make people competitive, the more mm. of an edge you're going to have. Uh, and that's one of the big processes that I really look at is in terms of like how can you gamify business, but then also. Um, get it to the point where like everyone has like it's us against the world mentality yeah I love that and I'm going to use the word now I certainly don't like the negative connotations with this word but like a cult following yeah. so a cult of like CrossFit for example why yeah. were they so successful because it was it was two fingers up at everyone else it's our way or the highway we built this community and culture of individuals with you know a sole focus and I think the business needs to be the same to a degree um, I don't think everyone needs to put two fingers up at everyone but I think you need to be a part of something to drive that thing forwards and uh, that needs to be articulated and communicated to your team for sure so um, again it goes back to whatever works best for you and whatever gets them galvanized mm. to move forwards really doesn't it 100 and that comes top down right and i was like uh, 
a saying I read in a book recently, and it was like they don't build um, they don't build statues to committees; they build statues to men. Like you have to have one person who's in charge of an organization. Right. You can't have five people are making yeah. decisions, right? And if you actually look at like modern politics, why it doesn't work, mm. it's because of that. Too many voices. Because there's too many people who have an opinion, and then nothing gets done. Yeah. Whereas if you actually look at, for example, Dubai is essentially a dictatorship, a really good one. So like someone wants to get something done and it just fucking happens. Yeah. Like tomorrow mm. or today. It doesn't take 18 months of legislation yeah, to yeah. like, let's figure it out and discuss it. Computer says no. Yeah, exactly. It's got to go up the, the chain of hierarchy. You, yeah, it goes to that one person and they make the decisions. Yeah, yeah, I like that. Um, and I think actually with that instead, instead, I think one of the big mistakes people make as their business grows is that they have too many lines of communication coming to them. So mm. one of the things I always say to everyone is like, you want to be like the Navy SEALs. It's like teams of six. You should have never more than six people reporting to you directly. Yeah. Um, and when I learned that at that point, I think I had like 18, 20 people coming to me like every day. And I was like, losing my mind. Yeah. This was maybe like 18 months ago. Well, I, I was there two months ago, mm. less than two months ago, Charlie. I completely resonate with that. And that's where you're literally spinning plates all yeah. over the show and you don't know fucking which way to look. I'm in, I was in the hamster wheel of business and we talk about the hamster wheel of like training and churning out sessions and all of that. But I was in the hamster wheel of business because I have small mundane tasks coming to me. So then we hired an operations manager a few months ago and all of that funnels into her and then she can decipher the stuff that I don't need to know. And then she can bring one or two things to me as opposed to 22 things. Because the issue with the 22 things coming to me, what does that therefore mean? Mm. There's a cost implication there because my time is then taken el from elsewhere. My time, I'm not doing strategy calls. I'm not doing podcasts. I'm not doing all the big needle moving things that are going to actually grow the business and build the brand because I'm in the mundane. I'm in the weeds. 100%. And that's where most people can't see the wood through the trees and they don't realise this is a problem. And that's why, in my opinion, the success I've achieved in life is because relative success is because of coaching and I've always asked people for help rather yeah. than being ar too arrogant to think like I'll figure it out myself and mm. um, what would you say to anyone who's in a position where they are thinking about asking for someone to help them with maybe their fitness or whether it's their business what would your perspective be to them in terms of like where they should think firstly do your research on who that mm. person is you know don't just make a knee-jerk reaction I can champion a, a decision for sure, but there has to be a strategy to go behind that decision. And, you know, choose someone who's where you want to be. Been there, done it. Got the stripes, but also, you know, made some mistakes because they're the people that are going to actually help you s with speed of implementation. Mm. So, you know, if you're trying to have an online fitness business, go to someone like yourself. You've been there, done it. I saw the second award for the Two Comma yeah, Club. Cool, so, right? yeah, congrats. I mean, two Comma Club X, end of next year. That's okay, well, there we go. So, again, but all joking aside, well, that would explain if someone's got an online fitness business and looking to grow and scale, that might be a smart decision, mm. you know, and, and whatever domain you're looking to work in. So do your research, but having a coach and mentor without doubt. I've had numerous over the years. I've invested, I've invested over six figures in mentors in my whole career without a shadow of a doubt. I've traveled all over the world and uh, I continue to do so. But I think it comes back to you is like, I'm not egotistical enough to think I know everything. It's the Dunning-Kruger effect. Mm. The more I know, the more I realise I don't 100%. know. So uh, I'm just going to keep investing until the day I pass. 100%. I, um, and that's the fun part of life. And we spoke about this in another podcast. It's like, if you're not looking to fucking progress, then what's the point? Yeah. And you're going to lose... The way I look at it as well is if you're not actually like trying to move forwards, you're going to get fucking swept away. You're done. And you're going backwards mm. as far as I'm concerned. Like We spoke about this on another podcast and I said my biggest fear is staying the same. Oh, that really scares me. 
I need to progress every single day. And I'm not talking about 20% progression. Go back to like the Sir Dave Brailsford, the aggregation mm. of marginal gains, the 1% better each day. Compound effect. Compound effect over time. Well, going back to that, 1% better each day over the course of a year is 37 times improvement. James Clare talks about in Atomic Habits taken from Sir Dave Brailsford, and I can completely resonate with both of those individuals. They're absolutely brilliant. A lot of our teachings and methods come from that. So, um, yeah, it's just get better every single day. And that, for me, is very motivating and inspiring. One of the th- big things that you've really crushed it with is um, working with a lot of high-end clients or like a, a wild network you have. How have you transitioned some of those into the online space and what would you say to people who are like, oh, I've got really high-end clients but I can't train them online? Because in my opinion, that's BS to some degree. Yeah, I definitely think that's a limiting belief from their part because they wouldn't have done it at that point. It's like anything, until you've done it, you don't really know or until you've this is probably where a coach comes in until you find out someone else who's done it in a certain way then that can debunk your limiting belief and um, it's not a seamless transition some individuals will still want their hand held and want those in-person touch points but the good thing about the individuals that I work with and you know my mentor is Casper Bass the founder of Joe and the Juice a huge entrepreneur great guy and uh, I've learned so much from him that he can just get it like get it done you know he doesn't need his hand held certainly not he's got a former sporting background he's all competed at a high level he came to me years ago in person in Marlebone he had a shoulder impingement issue couldn't box loved his boxing we managed to rectify that so I got the buy-in from him because he can now box and do whatever he wants all the time he's big in the calisthenics uh, world now and he's you know looking great and for that he can just get on with the plan and then every now and again if I'm in London I'll get a touch point with him in person, which for me with my demographic is actually quite important. But let me give context on that. This isn't like a bi-weekly touch point. I'm talking I might see them every eight to 10 weeks just to get that in person, reset, reprogram, and then keep moving forwards. And then I can program them. I can have touch points with them online outside of that. So I'm not saying it's a seamless transition that they can just all go completely online because some of these big wig individuals who you know have nine bigger dollar companies and all of that they might want an in-person touch point every now and again but what we do is if they do want that we can then liaise with personal trainers on the ground so if they still want to have that accountability piece and have the touch point with the trainer we run the performance management systems we look at objectivity with blood work we look at DEXA scans we have an incredible nutritionist uh, James who puts the bespoke nutrition plan in place and everything we do is led by objectivity so we can oversee everything but if they do need that they can have that but generally speaking Charlie they don't need that they just get on with the plan and anywhere in the world any hotel gym any gym that they have you know where they live we adapt the plan accordingly to keep them on track I like that answer um, you came to our business event here in Dubai so hence one of the reasons why you're here um, what was the biggest takeaway from you from that of interest yeah, look, firstly, it was a great event, like two days, immersive, great speakers, good variety on the speakers as well. Um, biggest takeaway, I really liked Chris Spearman's talk. I really liked his reframe on the deck. So we have a client deck for our business. We work with what's called the Lean CEO Method. And uh, I almost feel like it was probably too advanced. And I do feel like sometimes my delivery might be too advanced for my ICA at times. I do try and simplify and break things down and <laughs> jokingly, some people call me the analogy king because I use a lot of analogies for simplicity. I do that a lot as well. Yeah, especially in boxing, working with those guys, like I can't explain force, velocity, curves, and deep physiology, and like it's got to be. This yeah. is how you hit them harder, right? Yeah, literally. Oh, this makes me more powerful. I'm all, I'm all in. All right, forget the rest of it. So, um, so that was really interesting in the way that he reframed the language on the deck. I also really liked the way he 
change the pricing around. Yeah. <laughs> that was just mind-blowing for me. So, yeah, that certainly made me refine some of the way we deliver. Um, so that was great. Uh, liked uh, De Villiers. Yeah, um, JP De Villiers. JP De Villiers, yeah, really liked his talk. I thought that was the order of talks were really good. I thought his delivery was great. I like James, the estate agent. I thought his yeah. delivery was really good as well. And, uh, yeah, just generally a really good couple of days. So, no, well done for that. Yeah, it's, uh, we spoke obviously at the beginning of this at Tertiary Portals of in-person events. I think that when you get a load of people into a room who are really successful, that's one of the big things that's was eye-opening for me when I first started doing this because you can like physically see the fucking person. Like, if he can do it, then I can do it. And yeah. it gives you that belief, right? It certainly does, yeah. There's you know, people in the room doing very, very well. And, yeah, again, it goes back to what viewpoint and what perception do you have on that? Do you see it as a negative or do you see it as a positive? And that's down to you as an individual. Do you say, well, like you say, if they can do it, cool, I can do it. Imagine what I can do in my experience. And that's why I find it interesting when people take shots at people who are successful. It's like, use them for inspiration of like, they've actually gone out and carved the path for you mm. to follow and see that as like, okay, what character traits and what do they do and how do they behave? Like, what do their daily habits look like they've created the success? Completely agree. And I think this is going from a strength and conditioning viewpoint you know, maybe where I've gone against the grain to a certain degree. And I know you've got Sam on, on the seven-figure scaling system as well, great guy, doing good things in football. But I do believe that, you know, with some very good practitioners, they'll frown upon others who are going against the grain. Mm. At the end of the day, my vision and my values and my mission is to have global impact on as many people as possible, okay? And that's what drives me intrinsically. So to do that, I'm going to have to go against the grain of just delivering with my athletes. I love working with my athletes, like really do. For me, in this current present moment when I'm sitting here talking to you, Charlie, there's nothing more fulfilling. Walking with John Ryder, fighting Canelo Alvarez in front of 55,000 people in Guadalajara, Mexico, screaming fans, that for me is very fulfilling, knowing you've had an actual impact on that individual. So um, I think, yeah, it's it. It's, yeah, it's uh, it's just, it comes back to them and their reflective piece of, you know, what, maybe, maybe they look in the mirror and think, like, I probably should have done that, you know, and I just don't want to do that. I don't want to take the plunge. Don't do the hard stuff. Yeah, don't want to do the hard stuff. But for me, I know my vision and mission, and uh, that is to serve a huge amount of people. To do that, I have to build the systems to develop the online business and go the way that, we, you know, it's thankfully going, and we want it to go even bigger and better. 100%. And... I've personally seen your development, how much that's changed, and it's wild, the progress in 12 months. I mm. think where you'll be in 12 to 18 months is frightening. No, thank you. And look, thank you to you and the crew, you know. Um, it's definitely debunked a lot of my limiting beliefs. And I do look around that room, complete mm. transparency, and be like, you know, hopefully this doesn't come across egotistical, but, you know, some of these people haven't achieved what I've achieved. Uh, I've written for all the major publications, all the magazines for years. I've coached over 30 world champion athletes, NFL Super Bowl winners, undisputed boxing champions, Premier League footballers, biggest CEOs on the planet. Well, fine, but now we need to actually get your ROI and build the systems and framework and high-performance uh, blueprint to actually have global impact. And I truly believe we're going to have the best coaching program on the planet over time. And I said that to you before, there's a blue ocean for that at the moment because there's not really anyone to compete with. Mm. And the last question I want to ask you, because you've got Wild Network, what would you say to anyone in terms of the importance of network or how to build a really good network? Yeah, you've got to be in the right place to do so. So I took the plunge years ago. I believed in myself as a practitioner. I was working with George Groves at the time, who became a world champion at the fourth attempt. 
but I was coaching in a CrossFit gym in Feltham. <laughs> oh, I know Feltham, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So not the best location in terms of high net worth individuals. Let's just leave it there. Uh, so I knew I was good, and I got headhunted for a role at BXR in Marlebone. He opened the gym in, I think, 2019 uh, from my, my friend and colleague and osteopath, Doug Tannehill. And uh, CAHP, Centre of Health and Human Performance, were running the clinical rooms. They wanted this high-performance gym in a prime location in London. And they built it. It's an incredible, incredible gym. And um, now I see my athletes there every Saturday. We've got a great relationship. But I believed in myself. I backed myself. I looked at the macro and so the micro level thought process of saying, I'm going to play the bigger pitch here. I took a bit of a pay cut. I said, I can only commit to two, two and a half days a week there. And um, over time, I then started working with Middle Eastern Royal Family, flying around the world with them and uh, having real impact with people who could potentially open doors for me. What I will say, though, is using the word nurture as opposed to, again, going in like a bull in a china shop and being like, well, what can I get from that individual? That's certainly not the viewpoint. How can I serve? How can I serve? How can I add value? How can I have impact? And how can I change that individual's life? And if organically they then have the means to get you up to the proverbial ladder, uh, then so be it. But do not go in there with that mindset and viewpoint. Relationships take years to nurture. I've worked with these people, some individuals now, in, from, from there, probably now for five or six years, and um, I've never asked for anything from them. Thankfully, now we've got some potential business opportunities we're going to go into. I'm raising some money for, for some, some businesses and getting them involved. But that's been six years of nurturing a relationship and going in with the viewpoint of how can I serve, like you say. Good. I think that's a, a really strong point to finish up on because I think that's something people need to resonate with. And actually, one of the things I always think is just how can you be kind and help other people? Mm. And then that comes back. Certainly, like a boomerang, you know, and um, you don't do something for reciprocation. You do something because you want to serve someone. And, you know, over time, that might then come back around like a boomerang. But you've got to be in the right environment to do so. Again, I wasn't in the right environment in Felton for that to happen. I put myself in the environment. I was aligned with the focus of serving others. And lo and behold, then that allowed me to build my network. And over time, I'm now going to leverage and utilize that network. 100%. Thank you for your time today, Dan. Where's the best place for people to find out more about you? Thanks, Charlie. Always good to talk. Uh, Perform365 is our business page and at DanLawrence365, both on Instagram. Awesome. So make sure you check out Dan. If you also love listening to this conversation, you should go and check out the fitness episode we did on our podcast, The Shredder Show. We've actually got three on there. They, there's a few. They're really, really good. Um, if you enjoyed the episode, make sure you share this with a friend, subscribe, and we'll see you next episode very soon.